this week, how to see the forest through the trees when it's kind of on fire. But first, I'm Quinn Emmett, and this is important, not important, science for people like you who give a shit. Hit subscribe right now to get this newsletter or essay or whatever, and my conversations with the world's smartest people every single week. You can find the email version or web version, whatever you want to call it, and links to everything at importantnotimportant.com or right in your show notes. And now for today's big question. It's a simple one. Are we in the hardest part of the climate transition? Maybe? It's a question my friend, journalist, author, and friend of the pod, Akshat Rathi, asked recently in one of his columns at Bloomberg, and the answer is... It's complicated. It depends. Is that better? No? Yes? Where are we in the climate transition is a pretty loaded question. Do you mean in electrifying our power sources, or transportation, or vis-a-vis -vis sea level rise, or crop yields, or crop migration, etc., etc.? There's a very good chance it's both less and more complicated for me to answer this question than for you. Why? Well, because there's also a very good chance you're some sort of specialist, even if you don't consider yourself one. I am definitely not. I am not a specialist in anything except for microwaving, specific brand of quick cooking rolled oats. So you are probably a state senator, a third grade teacher, a recent retiree with a pension, a tech lobbyist, podcast host, maybe a medical resident, a grad student, a high school student, an activist for anything, a neuromuscular surgeon, uh, inventor, grant writer, fiction author, food journalist, screenwriter, maybe a climate investor. Your job is not really to see the entire forest, like the entire forest, through your very specific breed and collection of trees, which again might be like kindergartners. Again, so examples also include, so yeah, your students, but also maybe your beat, uh, your fundraising, book reports, or daily word count, uh, board meetings, or a patient list. Everything is already a lot without taking into account everything else. You can't do it every day. Of course, you are good at what you do. And you're here reading or listening or watching this, I guess. So you do give a shit a little bit when you can, when you have time. Because you care about not only your own employment status, but also how it affects your family, and your town, and your state, your country, maybe the world. So when you have time, a little bit of the forest creeps in. On some days, when you've got like six seconds to think about it. Look at you. It's very worldly. Um, but when you do, it's a lot to let it all in. It can feel like a mistake. Believe me, the forest is actually my job, and I hide under the blankets most of the time. Hey everyone, it's Quinn, your host and the founder of Important Not Important. I'd like to take a quick minute to tell you about the INI or any, whatever we're calling it these days, membership and community. It's a gathering place, really, for our most dedicated shit givers. A place to connect and learn from one another and to have access to me outside of the newsletter and this podcast. We started it last year and it's grown to hundreds of shit givers from all kinds, from around the globe. I'm talking about teachers and investors, students 
electricians, journalists, artists, scientists, and policymakers, and, and more. Members get exclusive access to our daily news homepage, which is very cool, and to much more top-of-mind weekly articles, research, and tools that you can use and to stay ahead of the game, member-sourced action steps, twice-monthly book and culture recommendations that have nothing to do with the end of the world, virtual events, and of course, the membership Slack channel. Look, so many people come to us asking, what can I do? And we think we do a pretty good job of answering that question and providing context for the answer. But the best answers and the best perspective really come from the community, a wide-ranging community. And we would love for you to be a part of it, to feel supported yourself, and to contribute to discussions and actions alike. And of course, by becoming a member, you're directly supporting our work here and ensuring that we get to keep doing it. So if you'd like to learn more, head to importantnotimportant.com. And if you're already a reader, you can just hit the upgrade button at the top. If you're not, go ahead and subscribe for free and you'll see the option to become a member at whatever level works best for you. And as always, you can always find the link to become a member right in your show notes. So thanks for listening. And as always, thanks for giving a shit. Back to the show. In fact, my therapist spent an hour last week yelling at me for, quote-unquote, bullshitting my way through a victory lap after I had asked for, one, more therapy, and two, more medication. So, you know, you're not alone. America is overwhelmed. It's also laden with specialists. Just look at American medicine, for example. We focus a lot less on public health than ever before. <laughs> Whoops. And so, in part, we have this huge shortage of primary physicians and nurses. But that's not like there isn't a place for specialists in all of this. Sometimes you need a specialist, or seven. But what you might also really need is for them to be in open conversation with one another. And that's kind of rare. In fact, in most U.S. healthcare systems, anything but surgery is basically disincentivized, which is so fun. Now, it might feel that way to you, too. Like trying to see... The forest is a waste of your precious time and just very limited energy. On the other hand, consider tunnels. Maybe you've heard the idea that because so many of our systems and infrastructure rely on so many specialists working together to build them and maintain them, if something like Thanos succeeded, right, half of everybody's gone. The loss of so many specific kinds of specialists means we would basically not be able to actually build tunnels because we would have lost the knowledge on how to do that and the experience on how to do that. Or bridges, or microchips, or hospitals, or a lot of other incredibly important stuff. It's the idea of, like, how many people does it take to actually make a pencil? It's crazy. Okay, anyways, back to you. If I asked you, are we in the hardest part of the climate transition, you'd most confidently use your very own, very specific set of skills to answer what applies to you. Because what the hell else are you going to do here? It might be something like, well, I'm a kindergarten teacher, and I've got a wild pack of five-year-olds asking me why it's 70 degrees in January, and I'm not sure what or how much to tell them because they're only five. That's how it's going for me. And that's a great answer. And it's pretty different from my answer, not least because I'd last less than an hour as a kindergarten teacher. But let's think about it 
in another context. How might someone who works at ERCOT in Texas answer the question? Well, your one job is to keep the lights, heat, slash AC on, so where are we on the climate transition means you're kind of aware of a greater variety of macro trends. Uh, escalating power demands from uh, electrified uh, vehicles and infrastructure and data centers, right? Um, aging infrastructure. The digitization of everything. Volatile weather. Uh, nowhere near enough battery storage yet. Another one. Maybe you work in social security and you spend your days trying to understand the fertility crash and how exactly way fewer younger workers are going to be able to support so many older retirees. Will the great wealth transfer hurt? Will it help? Is there any way for it to be relatively equitable? Uh, will a drastic increase of climate-driven migration help or hurt? I don't know. Same problem. Maybe you work in childcare or early childhood education. As Gianna Melalio wrote, as a whole, the childcare industry is labor-intensive and requires a high level of staffing, raising the financial burden on centers and increasing the costs of care. In addition, thin margins in the business can preclude child care centers from paying employees competitive wages, resulting in high turnover or staffing shortages which stretch centers' financial resources. Regulations also mandate how many teachers need to be present per number of infants or toddlers. Because taking care of children comes with a lot of liability, child care centers also bear insurance costs, boosting the price of care. Again, in isolation, not great. Broader context, how the hell are we supposed to employ all these wind technicians and electricians and teachers and nurses and primary physicians if they can't find or afford childcare? So, things are changing quickly. We've talked about it a lot. But maybe the thing you're most aware of, even within your own specialty, are the bottlenecks keeping us from taking care of more people so we can reach even higher. You almost certainly work within the context of one of our ongoing revolutions. And if you do, so much is changing so quickly that it's difficult to keep track of all of it, even within your specialty, even if you wanted to. But it's an important exercise to understand your perspective and that it is limited. My wife tells me that's called self-awareness. And I don't just mean in the acknowledge your privilege way, which is also vitally important. There's this framework, I know, that I admittedly didn't really get at first, but as we've long established, I am a moron. The idea of the framework is called, not called, I guess the way it's written is, the map is not the territory. Again, the map is not the territory. What that really means is what you can see or what you've experienced, your map, isn't everything, the actual territory. Not everything is on your map, and not everyone has the same map. Sometimes, like with regard to our actual ocean, none of us have the entire map because we haven't actually mapped it. Or like how the James Webb Space Telescope keeps fucking with our previously semi-solid understanding of the beginning of the universe. Very humbling. A million examples. But sometimes, also, your map is just out of date, right? Your map might say it's great to grow up in suburbia. Someone else's map might say it's great to be able to uh, live in a city center where you can walk to everything. 
very different definitions of the territory of housing. Any way you slice it, there's just too many layers to this cake for any one person to keep track of, much less understand. It's not just, like, climate change up at the top, and then electrification below that, and then at street level, solar panel installers, right? There are a bazillion variations every step of the way, each with their own learned perspective and complementary horse blinders, entangled in so many ways, each directly and simultaneously feeling the squeeze, however intimately or distant, of a world not only increasingly lacking in multilateralism, but actually at war again, of a lack of home care, of a population saturated with long COVID, of rising subsidies for and dividends from fossil fuels, of the opportunity to power uh, businesses from the sun. This is life in 2024's polycrisis, or we call it around here, Tuesday. But it took a lot to get here, and we've got a long way to go. And each of us is going to, whether we like it or not, or choose to, play a part in it. Wherever you are, in the timeline of your career or your life, you might feel like you're the main character in your storyline and everyone else is an NPC. But one, you don't have a storyline, you have choices to make. And two, your choices can affect everyone else's timeline and the big ones, climate transition, AI transition, and more too. As Gandalf said, who I increasingly identify with, bent over in gray, it's not our part to master all the tides of the world but to do what is in us for the succor of those years wherein we are set, uprooting the evil in the fields that we may know, so that those who live after may have clean earth to till. Consider someone who works exclusively in VC financing for carbon removal tech versus someone trying to secure aid for developing economies so they don't use coal. Uh, someone who procures fertilizer uh, at scale someone who does fundraisers for deforestation, or kids' cancer, fuck kids' cancer, someone who builds wells, someone who does grant funding to build wells, someone who negotiates ceasefires, um, someone who uh, cleans up labs, works in foster care, all those things. They're just, these people are going to have very different days. Understanding how it is all connected and which parts prop up the others or weaken the others is, is only part of the exercise. Knowing what prism you're looking through and what others are out there is important as well. All the different maps. One fun thing about how early explorers used to navigate, by the way, by the stars, was that depending on where you were on the ocean, you'd literally see different sets of stars. Now, that's still the same thing. If you're in uh, North America or Norway or whatever, you're going to see different stars than in Australia because one's facing up in space and the other's down. I'm a moron, but it's relatively simple. But... In an age where longitude was imaginary, was a pipe dream, knowing what stars you were looking at was very, very important. Otherwise, you had no idea where you were. When we choose, review, and share uh, the action steps we take so much pride in, we understand that some actions may be blocked by others, for now at least, and some won't be. They're more accessible. And that's why we try to come at each problem slash opportunity from a variety of angles, and then use those same frameworks and strategies so we can systemically, together, through compound action, overwhelm a potpourri of problems or opportunities, 
But that's our job, not yours. You just get to use our work. Just like if I'm sick, I come to you and you're a nurse practitioner and you help me feel better. That's it. So maybe you just want to donate to a bunch of different places within our prism because it's science for people who give a shit and it's late December and the tax man's calling. Great. Maybe you want to understand, uh, donate to, be heard about, and volunteer for everything related to something specific, like uh, pediatric cancer, because of course, fuck kids' cancer. Both of these are variations on the kitchen sink approach. It's how our forebears mostly beat smoking and drastically reduced lung cancer and deaths. Uh, it's how we will reduce food waste and the methane from it while also feeding more people. It's how we'll make our grid not only smarter and more connected, but more resilient with dependable, decentralized, short-term home battery storage and more centralized, long-term battery storage that, like California's been building. When I look at the flywheel of our business, it's one, the newsletter, right? Monday's usually a quick surface level breakdown of what's happening and what the hell you can do about it. Essays, Fridays, weekends, how to think about how to think about what's happening. And again, a little more specifically, what you can do about it. The podcast, uh, my conversations, they're a deep dive with someone doing the work on the front lines of the future to help you and me understand what that is and how it works and what the hell we can do about it. And then there's our membership, which is more tools and connections to help you do shit together. And finally, there's our secret project, which I'm not going to really tell you about today. Sorry. But it's something I realized was both inevitable, considering all of that, and missing from the flywheel. If our forest here is science for people who give a shit, our trees are helping countries, cities, companies, and people most efficiently and effectively answer the question, what the hell can I do about this thing? Now, sometimes that requires us to take a deeper study in some specific area to understand what has worked in the past and not, and who's working on the front lines of the future to finally crack that. The people most exposed to a problem or opportunity are almost always best suited to solve it, and we've learned that a thousand times here. But the answer sometimes comes out of completely unrelated areas of expertise. So one way to see more of the forest gently, gently, is to ask other people what they can see from their own vantage point. What's on their map of this territory? So we try to take that big step back all the time and maybe not correctly answer where exactly we are on the climate electrification interstellar Deadpool timeline, but at the very least, our place in it as far as we can see. And that's really the key. If all you can do is all you can do, and really that's all you can do, you might only have time for action, not a ton of context. And that action might only be at your work, or at your kid's school, or in your investments with a couple clicks, or across the world, but still only a click away. We get it. The point is, as Jack London said, the proper function of man, woman in general, is to live not to exist. I shall not waste my days in trying to prolong them. I shall use my time. This is our place in the climate transition, space, and time. 
to identify not only a problem's pressure points, but also the specific comprehensive compound action, related kinds of action across people and time, that will weaken a dangerous power system or reinforce an essential piece of infrastructure like water or water insurance or, I don't know, air, food, education. We work to change state governments so more people can benefit from Medicaid coverage and have their bodily autonomy protected, both of which really matter as the world gets hotter. We work to make sure Narcan is in vending machines everywhere. We help you build public and political pressure so Medicare can negotiate far more drug prices in just a few years, when we have a marginally better understanding of the full impact of drugs like uh, Zipic and Mugofi, and when remotely prescribed abortion medication is available just as widely as those are. Right, we soak up Nat Bullard's excellent new 2024 decarbonization deck to understand how interest rates stalled out wind projects the past few years, to understand the top-level limits and possibilities of next-gen battery chemistry options, uh, mineral resource and manufacturing options. Like, for example, the top 10 battery cell manufacturers are all in Asia. Not helpful. To understand that last year saw a record number of $1 billion weather-related disasters in the U.S., uh, just as the insurance markets begin to crack apart and pull out of the areas that are most exposed. Um, I think the recent headline said that uh, two and a half million Americans were displaced from weather-related disasters last year. Already. We know that ocean temperatures are spiking, but deforestation is declining, and so is inflation a little bit. Solar and wind and storage are building faster than LNG or nuclear ever have. That public energy R&D is actually up, just like global oil and gas capex is down. Uh, we know that most countries and companies have some sort of net zero commitment, but that without an SEC disclosure rule, at least, responsibilities and oversight for those are mostly internal, specific, isolated jobs laid at the feet of knowledge workers who signed up, frankly knocked out the low-hanging fruit, and now have to figure out how to do the actual hard work without absolutely cratering quarterly reports, which, paradoxically, often means just talking less and less about a company's climate work, or a country's climate work. That we will look back on our failure to price not only the potential risks, but ongoing compounding risks of climate impacts as a real failure. But also, we know that climate lawsuits are growing, and, and finally winning. Within each of these is myriad specialties we try to take account for, from attorneys to uh, building managers and renters to accountants, fund and wealth managers, chemo nurses, executive assistants, marketers, wind turbine decks, composting uh, people in the cities where you have to do it, scientists working on ocean solutions for coastal cities. All that means there are millions and billions of highly specialized people and young people who need tools and support to change time-space, to change the timeline. They need help from us and you because of your specializations. As my man Carlo Rovelli said, perhaps there is no need to make anything up about what lies behind quantum theory. Perhaps it really does reveal to us the deep structure of reality, where a property is no more than something that affects something else. Perhaps this is precisely what properties are. The effects of interactions. As he said, a good scientific theory then should not be about how things are or what they do. It should be about 
how they affect one another. We take all this in, all that shit I just talked about, all those facts that are ever-changing. It's exhausting, like your job. We assess where we've been on the time-space timeline, where we might be going, and go, okay, who is doing the specialized work here? How do we piece those two together with this? Or focus on this to unlock this? How can we help? What the hell can we do about this? Maybe my perspective and this entire rant is just me trying to defend my liberal arts degree and to not so subtly rally for the future of the liberal arts, right? Where specialties are more civilization and less economics or organic chemistry. Maybe it's also why I'm a firm believer that every company, by the way, should have a chief, are we sure we should fucking do this officer in their C-suite? Anyways, the point is to collect all the company specialists in one room and go, who exactly is going to be affected by this? Who does it displace? Who does it benefit? What does it cost? And who can afford it? Anyone? Bueller? Can we put it back in the box once we open it? Where did we source all this shit from? Why the hell are we working on this in the first place? Do we have to make money this way? Are there any other ways to make money? That's what that officer would do. Anyways, like the fucking ancient Stoics everyone can't stop also podcasting about, we, too, realize the only way forward, the only way out, is through. And the best I can answer is that through is where we are in the transition. Again, Carlo, we inhabit time as fish live in water. We are fucking in it, man. The timeline is all around us. We stand inside of it and outside of it a little bit. And that means there has never been a more pivotal moment to identify your own special skills, to draw your own map, to apply one to the other, and then seek out other ways you can help, to compare your map to others, to look at theirs and go, I see you, I understand you. How can I help? Here's your relevant action steps. Donate to 350.org, a global movement working towards a fossil fuel-free world. Number two, volunteer with your local Mothers Out Front chapter to fight for a world that protects kids, full stop. Number three, get educated about building a clean energy company using the videos, exercises, and curriculum in third derivatives startup resource database. Lastly, be heard about climate justice and find an initiative that needs your support or signature in your country using GAIA's action alert tool. That's Gaia. That's it for this week. Feedback, questions, opinions, uh, email them to us at questions at importantnotimportant.com. Thank you. Uh, give us the little five stars or whatever. Hit like, I don't know. Hit subscribe, please, to get next week's issue straight into your feed. Thank you for everyone who supports our work. To go deeper, visit importantnotimportant.com. Thank you for giving a shit.